Hallelujah. Let's thank the worship team, amen, for a great job this morning, amen. <laughs> Pastor Bob is in uh, Romania today with, uh, his, you say it was with Rod Robinson and team, and so we want to be praying for them during this season, and uh, that God will do great things through their lives over there. In the meantime, we're going to believe God to do some great things through our lives right here. Amen. As we gather together, God always is faithful. He always shows up. Uh, I enjoyed the worship time today, and I heard some words that were good for me because uh, it goes right along with some of the things I wanted to share. Uh, but uh, we're talking about freedom. Amen. How do you like freedom? Amen. Hallelujah. In America, we like freedom. We don't want to lose it. And I heard about shackles falling off, chains falling off. Thank you. And uh, we learned that it isn't just the chains we want to get rid of. We want to get rid of the shackles as well. There's a scripture that says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Therefore, let's not go back into the yoke of bondage. In that particular verse, it was talking about some of the elements of the old covenant. But uh, there is a tendency for all of us at times to receive freedom and then walk back into slavery if we aren't careful. And I know you can be a Christian a long time and still be carrying some things with you that probably should have shed a long time ago and maybe did at one time, but now are dealing with some of the same things that you dealt with years and years ago. I don't know if anybody else is like that, but I find that in my own life, things like to creep back in, even once we've been freed from them. This morning I want to talk about an area that I think is going to bring freedom to a lot of people, and hopefully uh, you might have come in the service one way, and hopefully you're going to go out another way. I'm not talking about a different door. There is another entrance over there, but I'm talking about God wants to change us today. I believe he wants to bring some of us into a place of freedom, and this is one of those messages that isn't just informational. We want to experience something today before we leave here, and that we want God to touch us in a powerful way and uh, change our behavior, change some things about us, change our nature to a certain extent. I'm going to talk about forgiving others. Forgiving others. How many find it really easy to forgive other people? Oh, no hands. That's good because I didn't think there would be. Didn't think there would be any hands on that one. But you don't have lived a very long time on this earth. Uh, to realize there are certain things that are absolutely sure. One is that other people are going to offend you. And number two is that we will inevitably offend other people. So there you go. Those are the two main things. That whole earth is divided into two camps, those that offend and those that are offended. And we tend to go rotate between the two. Uh, the reason why... <clears throat> offenses are inevitable, Jesus said offenses will come, is because the church is made up of imperfect people. How many know that? And that we're all kind of in a process of changing. There's no perfect saint. There's no perfect pastor. There's no perfect church. If you're hunting for the perfect church, you came to the wrong one this morning. I'm not going to do what Ryan did last night and tell you to go to another church. Because if you go to another church, it won't be perfect either. And why? Because 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 they're all made up of imperfect people, and there isn't a pastor in the world that's perfect either. And so somehow we have to 
fulfill the requirements of the scripture, that is, join ourselves together, be perfectly joined together, and be built together, and yet we gotta do that with imperfect people. And we gotta do that in our homes, and we gotta do that with our children, we gotta do that with our parents, we gotta do that with just about everybody, because there is no perfect person but Jesus. We all wanna be like Jesus, but none of us are even close at this point. Years ago, we used to go to these <coughs> seminars downtown Portland, Bill Gothard, some of you might remember that name, but he used to put on these conferences uh, called Basic Youth Conflicts, which is probably not the best title for a, a seminar. But uh, he wasn't teaching us how to be, be conflictive, but he was talking about the conflicts that youth have to, uh, have to face in their lives. And one, one year that we went, he handed out these little buttons. And uh, if you have that up here on the next slide, we'll look at this button. It looked like this, which is really kind of nondescriptive. And uh, they gave it to you, and they wanted everybody to put that on. And, of course, everybody's looking at each other, what in the world is that button? And so all evening long, he didn't refer to the buttons. And then finally, he got to a place where he did, because he was talking about how we all have a long way to go in becoming what God wants us to become. And so uh, what those initials stand for is, please be patient, God is not finished with me yet. And so we have the little explanation underneath of it there. Uh, but that was just to be a constant reminder that you're looking and you're talking to and you're interacting with a totally imperfect person. Yeah. Hallelujah. And since we all got one on, <laughs> we're also looking in the mirror. And I don't know what it spells when it's in the mirror looking backwards, but I'm sure Ryan can come up with a, uh, no, don't do the rest of the service thinking how that would come out backwards if we had another phrase to go with it. But Jesus anticipated that this would be the case. Uh, There's a couple of times when he talked about the church. In Matthew 16, he talked about the church. Matthew 18, he talked about the church. In Matthew 16, he talked about this glorious church. He talked about overcoming the gates of hell. He talked about how the church was going to be glorious and mighty in the earth. And then the other time he talked about the church, he talked about it in the local setting. And that's where we are today. We're in the local church. We're not loco. I didn't say loco. I said local church. Sometimes it's local, but more often than not, it's local. That's where we actually walk out live in the family, and actually do the stuff that families do. And when Jesus talked about it, the only time he talked about it was in Matthew chapter 18. And this is what he said. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, that's how he starts talking about the local church, is people sinning against each other. Not sitting next to each other, sinning against each other. And so he says, if your brother sins against you, go tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear you, take one or two more with you, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. So he's talking about the local church. He's talking about it being a place where people are going to sin against each other, and they're going to be offended. And he tries to give a formula for working that thing out because... If the church is going to be successful, they got to work through these problems. But if he refuses to hear even the church, let him be to you as a heathen and a tax collector. I guess they couldn't think of anything worse in those days. Could put down MS 13 maybe in there. But uh, 
Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst. Now, Peter was listening to this, and he didn't hear anything past your brother sinning against you. A lot of verses there. He didn't hear anything past that. And then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? And he was being generous. Up to seven times. And Jesus said to him, I do not say unto you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Anybody got that figured out? 490 times. And I tell you what, you've been 489, Pete, and you got one more. You got one more life left. 490 times. No, Jesus didn't mean 490 times literally, but he was, he was uh, helping Peter understand this is limitless. This is not something you can put a number on. Well, how many times? You can't put a number on it. And uh, this is the church that we live in. We live in a church where we sin against each other. We live in a church where we step on each other's toes. Uh, Luke 12 talks about the multitudes being such a large number that they stepped on each other. And you've heard of concerts like that where they let the crowd in and they even kill people sometimes because they're in such a rush to get such a rush. And this can kind of happen in the church too. Sometimes we pray for multiplication, but every new family that comes in is a family we got to deal with in one way or another. And they got to deal with us. And that's a problem sometimes. So in this passage, Jesus stresses the importance of our forgiving each other. I'm thankful this morning, and I thank Pete for his, his leading us in that prayer of thankfulness for the forgiveness that we've received from God. But if we have received such great forgiveness from God, it should be somewhat reciprocal in how we then treat other people. Jesus uh, stresses the importance of forgiveness. And if we are going to be the church, if we're going to reach that glorious church without spot or wrinkle, or if we're going to reach that victorious church, it's going to have to be based on us living that life of forgiveness. Because we're not going to do it alone, we're going to do it together. Amen. I'd like to talk about six things that Jesus said about forgiving others, the importance of it. And first of all, number one, forgiving others in Jesus' mind is not a matter of choice. It's not a matter of choice. This scripture, if you think about this scripture, the more you think about it, the more amazing it really is. In Mark chapter 11, it's read in my Bible, so Jesus must be talking. How many know that? In my bank account, if it's read, Jesus is not talking. But here Jesus is talking. He says in Mark eleven twenty five, 25, and whenever you stand praying. Well, you could say, well, I'm going to kneel from now on so I don't have to find myself in this scripture. No. Whenever you stand praying. They stood praying because they didn't have a lot of chairs. Whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. Didn't say forgive her, it says forgive him. Maybe the women don't offend, I don't know. That your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. That is amazing scripture. 
I always tell people when you're writing, don't say everyone or don't say uh, all over the world, every church. Don't use these all-inclusive terms because they are all-inclusive. And all you got to do is find one time where it isn't true and the whole statement is false. But what about this? Whenever you stand praying, well, how many times do you pray? Well, hopefully at least once a day. Maybe if you're a real good boy, maybe two times a day, or at least maybe three times a day if you pray over your food, and if you pray every time you eat, like Pete, maybe eight times a day. <laughs> Who knows? So, but whenever you stand praying, wow. That means before you do anything else when you're praying, here's what you're supposed to do. If you have anything against anybody, forgive them. That's your first order of business. God says, I don't want you to talk to me if you're at odds with one of your fellow members, if you're at odds with one of your brothers or sisters in Christ. Let's get that out of the way first. And now, what is your request? What is it you want to say? Every time you stand praying, do this. <laughs> How many know that if you're doing that, uh, you're going to clear the slate a lot of times? So it's not a matter of choice. Jesus, Jesus didn't say pray about this. Jesus didn't say I have this suggestion for you. That's, think about Jesus. He doesn't really use suggestions all that much. It's a, not a matter of choice. The second thing about uh, forgiving others is it is a condition for receiving our forgiveness. I don't like this at all. I don't like praying the Lord's Prayer, Father, forgive me my trespasses just in the same way that I forgive others. No, I don't want that. Please don't do that, God. I'd rather pray, don't forgive me the way I forgive others because that would be ridiculous. But we're praying. Have, has it ever struck you while you're praying? Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. I don't know, that struck, strikes me when I pray that prayer. I, I want to gloss over that one. Just give me my daily bread. Lead me not into temptation. But don't make me forgive others and make it a condition relative to my own forgiveness. So he included it in the Lord's Prayer, but another number of other times he said this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 to 15. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. If, then... But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your, your trespasses. Is that really God saying that? It's still in red in my Bible. We can throw that verse away. Give that to some other people group somewhere in the world. Luke chapter 6, verse 35 to 37. But love your enemies. Do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be the sons of the Most High. Sometimes, don't you just hate Jesus? He seems to be quite direct. Sometimes he's too direct. Sometimes he's too clear. I would rather he be a little bit more hazy in his teaching, right? If you have two coats, and somebody has no coats, take one of your coats and give it to somebody who has no coats, and you'll both have a coat, I wonder what the deeper meaning of that is. Something about, I think it's something about covering 
There's something about spiritual covering or if somebody bids you to walk a mile, walk two miles. I wonder what that's all about. Something about life's journey, how we need to be generous in our... No, it's not really very spiritual at all. It just says, love your enemies. It says that you are to forgive, for he is kind to the, to the unthankful. Jesus is kind to the unthankful and the evil. Therefore, be merciful, just as your Father is also merciful. You mean i got to be kind to the unthankful and the evil? Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Wow. Third thing about forgiveness is that it's to be done quickly. Well, how do you, how do you forgive every time you come before the Lord in prayer? I'm just not going to pray so much anymore. That'll solve that problem. If I pray once a week, then I only got to forgive once a week. No, Jesus taught we are to uh, Repent, we are to forgive quickly those who have repented. He says this in, in Luke chapter 17, verse 3 to 4 Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. Hey, I like that. If he repents, forgive him. Well, make him wait. And if he sins against you, listen, seven times in a day. I wonder if that's the day as the Lord sees it, day of the Lord's thousand years, thousand years is a day. Are we talking about a 24 hour day here, or what is that? Hey, we're not talking about creation here, folks. We're talking about seven times in a 24-hour period. Somebody offends you exactly the same way, <laughs> crosses exactly the same line, and what are you to do? He returns and says, I repent, you shall forgive him. <laughs> I mean, just, just think that through. Every two hours, two waking hours, for some of you, maybe every three waking hours, this person comes to you and says, I'm sorry for doing that again. Maybe it's your wife, maybe it's your husband, maybe it's your kids, maybe it's your cell group leader, I don't know. But the admonition of the Lord just seems like it's too quick. I gotta, I gotta hang this person over hell a little bit. I gotta withhold something from them. I gotta make them pay. Well, here's a question. Is that how I want God to forgive me? No, I don't really want him to do that. I don't want him to hold out on me if I'm sincere. Fourth thing about uh, forgiveness is to be done completely. To be done completely. Jesus taught that we are to forgive without keeping records or keeping accounts. So Jesus just talked about the offenses in the local church. And Peter says to him, how often shall my brother sin against me? Seven times. Jesus said, I say unto you not seven times, but 70 times seven. And after the, Jesus got through saying this, the disciples said, Lord, increase our faith. I need faith to walk on water, sure. I need faith to heal the blind man, sure. But forgiving others, I need a lot more faith for that, Lord. Increase it. Because it isn't an easy thing to do. And it takes faith, really, in our hearts to be able to do it. It takes a spirit of thanksgiving for what God has done for us to be able to extend that to others. Luke 17, verse 5, uh, the apostles said, Lord, increase our faith. Actually, I think if we're forgiving the way God has shown us to forgive and the way he forgives, <clears throat> we can't keep track of the number. 
So seven times, well, actually, every time you forgive, what do you do? You wipe the slate clean. Every time you forgive, you wipe. So nobody ever offends you more than once because you forgave them. Now it goes back to zero. Reset, 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 zero, zero, zero. Unfortunately, we got this memory that uh, still remembers certain things. But when we forgive, we're not defiled away in a safe place somewhere where we can bring it out later when we need it. That's how we often treat people. We'll, 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 we'll just keep this in the back. Yeah, I forgive you, but I'll keep this in the back of my mind. Later on, if I need it, I'll bring it up again. So I have to ask myself, did I really forgive? Maybe you need to burn the file or acid wash your computer or however they work that. Also, forgiveness is to be done unconditionally. Number five, Jesus taught that forgiving others was not dependent, and this is a hard one, was not dependent upon their asking us for forgiveness. Well, if they ask me for forgiveness, if they ask me just right, if they plead and beg on their knees, I just might forgive them. That doesn't really correspond with that first scripture that we gave that says, and whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive them. They're not in there asking you to forgive them. Jesus demonstrated this on the cross. When Jesus was on the cross and he'd been mocked and he'd had his beard pulled and he'd been beaten and he had he'd been forsaken and, and all these different things happened to him, what did he say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Were the Roman soldiers asking for forgiveness? Were the runaway disciples asking for forgiveness? Were the soldiers who spit on him asking for forgiveness? Was Pilate asking for forgiveness? Were the religious leaders who were jeering at him and mocking him asking for forgiveness? No, I don't think so. But he said, Father, forgive them. They don't really know what they're doing. Stephen was the same way, the first martyr of the church, when they drug him out of the city and stoned him uh, because he was preaching the gospel, because he was preaching Christ. And he was getting those rocks thrown at him. His dying words in Acts chapter 7, verse 60, and he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. That was in the spirit of Stephen. He was functioning in the spirit of Jesus. We don't have to feel like it to forgive. Jesus was on the cross. He didn't feel very good. When Stephen had those stones thrown at him, he wasn't feeling very good. The only thing they were feeling was pain. I'm sure that Jesus and Stephen didn't feel. It's not hypocrisy to forgive somebody even though you don't feel like it. It wasn't hypocrisy when Jesus did it. It wasn't hypocrisy when uh, Stephen did it. We forgive because those who, uh, who we are those who walk in a constant awareness that we have been forgiven by God totally undeserved, totally unworthy, and because of that, we want to share in Christ's image. We forgive because he forgave us. We forgive also for our own sake because we don't want to live in torment. We talk about shackles. When we don't forgive people, we're strapping the shackles back on and we're getting ourselves back into slavery. 
We're slapping the chains back on and we're getting ourselves back into slavery. We'll talk about that more in a minute. Number six, forgiving others is a healthy way to live. Jesus taught that if we don't forgive, we're going to experience some negative fruit in our lives. What happens when we do not forgive? Well, here are just a few things. First of all, our prayers will be hindered. When you st- whenever you stand praying, forgive. There's, it, it's implied there that there's something about our prayers that are going to be hindered if we don't do that. Secondly, our gifts and ministries will be rendered ineffective if we are functioning out of a lack of forgiveness. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift before the altar, go your way. First, be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. I said, I'm not really ready to receive that gift until you get this thing sorted out with your brother. And even a worse one, number three, is that God may withdraw his own forgiveness. I don't know how that works. I I can't hardly imagine that. But there are too many verses that say that. Matthew 18, 35, so my heavenly father will also do to each one of you uh, from his heart if, if from his heart he does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Another negative fruit of lack of forgiveness where we will personally suffer and dwell in a prison house of our own making. And we all are familiar with the story that Jesus told when it came to forgiving others. In Matthew chapter 18, just after Jesus had his discussion with Peter about how many times to forgive his brother, he went into this story in Matthew 18, Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, we don't function in talents today. We, we tend to f- function in dollars. How do we translate that into dollars? Well, a talent was probably equivalent to one day's wage. Now, just hopefully, we'll just take a small number for a day's wage. Let's say $100 for a day's wage. That would be a million dollars. So that's not a small amount of money. And if a day's wage was more than that, it could be two. Two million, three million, four million, depending upon if you're an attorney or a poor pastor. Uh, but anyway, we're not going to go into that today. How many? How much is a talent? <laughs> but he was not able to pay. <laughs> yeah, I guess his master commanded that he be sold. They didn't have any, too many bankruptcy laws there, so they could say, "Time out. I'm not going to pay you." Uh, if you couldn't pay your debt, you were sold. And if that didn't cover it, your wife was sold. If that didn't cover it, your children were sold. If that didn't cover it, everything you owned was sold. And if that didn't cover it, you went into jail after that. The servant, therefore, fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me. I will pay you all, even though that was ridiculous. Then the master of the servant moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. That's God in relationship to us. We had a debt we couldn't possibly pay. And yet he reached out and forgave us our debt. But that servant went out, found one of his fellow servants who owned, owed him 100 denarii. That would be like 20 bucks. And laid his hands on him and took him by the throat. Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me and I will pay you all. And he would not. But he threw him into prison until he should pay the debt. I never figured that out. How do you pay debt from a prison? I don't know. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, 
They were very grieved and came and told the master all that had, had been done. Then the master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due him. My heavenly father also will do this to each of you. Ouch. From his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. So Jesus told this parable of an unforgiving servant, but at the end he ties it into our relationship to the heavenly father. And some of the things I learn here is that there's no possible way I could ever repay the debt that I owe God in my unsaved condition. And the forgiveness that we have received from God is totally undeserved because the debt was real. It wasn't just an imagined debt. And anything that anybody else owes me is totally insignificant compared to what I owed God. By not expending my forgiveness to others, I'm actually demonstrating a lack of appreciation for what God has done for me and a lack of understanding of the debt that I've been released from. I believe that God shows here that he is actually offended by our lack of generosity with others. I did this for you. I, I want to see that reciprocal. You know, uh, as parents, sometimes we're raising our children and we want to see things that we put into them in action in their lives later on. And sometimes they surprise us and they do. And sometimes maybe they disappoint us and they don't. But that's the heart of God. In fact, God says to this man who didn't extend the forgiveness, he calls him a wicked servant. Wow. So when we refuse to forgive, then it says that he ended up losing his forgiveness and went into, into a torture chamber. Well, we don't go into an actual prison, but there is a torture chamber that we can be in if we refuse to forgive other people. And that's number five here. We will experience the fruit of bitterness. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 to 15, pursue peace with all people. All people? Yes, all people. And holiness without which no one, no one, yes, will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up and cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. The NIV says, see that to it that no one misses the grace of God, and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. God wants to give us his grace to do the right thing. We don't want to miss that opportunity. We don't want to miss that grace. I believe that God does give us grace to be able to do what is right. But if we don't do what is right, if we don't forgive others, it's like there's something that remains in our spirit that affects everything that we do. Can bitter water and sweet water come out of the same opening? The Bible says no. That bitterness that's in us because of a lack of forgiveness is going to taint everything that we do. And that's why it's so important to get rid of it. When we don't forgive, there's physiological, there's psychological problems that we can experience. All you got to do is ask the medical profession. Here's some of the things that they say uh, can be a result. High blood pressure, increased levels of stress, hostility in relationships, anger and intolerance, increased heart rate, higher instance of substance abuse, anxiety, depression, difficulty developing wholesome friendships, 
headaches and chronic pain, inability to commit to others. My question is, is that where I want to live? Is that the home I want to live in? No, it's not. And the thing is, it's actually simple, not complicated, except we have to be willing to die to self if we want to live in a different place. So what does it mean to extend forgiveness to others? Well, it means several things. First of all, it means that we must express our forgiveness in words. Sometimes we can't do it to the person anymore. Maybe they're dead. Or maybe we don't even know where they're at. Although sometimes what you can do is say, God, I want to settle accounts with this person, bring them back into my life. I've heard some amazing stories of people who didn't know where anybody was, and then they prayed that prayer, and all of a sudden that person shows up somewhere nearby, and they hear about it. But we need to express it. Sometimes we just need to say it out loud. Sometimes we need to express it to them in words if we have the opportunity. It's not just a matter of being nice to them and buying them flowers or a box of candy or something and hoping that that's going to give the message. There's value to be had in actually saying it. It completes the act of forgiveness. Secondly, it means that we refuse to bring the matter up to the offending party again. You can't, you can't forgive somebody, and then if they do it again, you say, well, there you go again. Well, there you go again. That's what I was talking about. No, you're, you're indicating that you really haven't let it go. So we can't keep bringing it up to that person and kind of keep, keeping them under our thumb by rehearsing the past. Thirdly, it means that we treat the offending party as if it never happened. That's hard. It's hard because even though we forgive, we can't always forget. I wish we were more like God, where he can choose to forget and he doesn't remember it anymore. With me now, I'm getting older and I don't have to choose to forget. You know, it comes naturally now. Hallelujah. I used to have PB students, see students that would come up to me. I've taught many years and and corrected many papers and did many test scores and issued many grades. <clears throat> and, and they would always think to them that I, I probably related to them based on how well they did in my class. Honestly, I couldn't remember any of that stuff. They were just numbers to me. I just put, put the numbers in the book, and I didn't even notice hardly who their names were. But they always thought I must remember all that stuff. I'm, I'm here to tell you I didn't remember any of it. So if you think I'm relating to you based on what you got in my class, you're wrong. <clears throat> I don't remember what you did in my class, and unless, unless uh, you know, there's some other reason for what you did in my class. <laughs> Number four, we must refuse to talk to others about it anymore. Well, we shouldn't have been doing it in the first place, but so often we kind of just give subtle clues and body language. Oh, them. Oh, yeah, that. Oh, yeah, that guy. Yeah. What do you mean? Oh, well, you know, we had a run-in with him. And we're actually gossiping. We're actually uh, besmirching somebody's reputation just by our body language and a few little comments. So we shouldn't be talking about it. The offense should never come up in our conversation again. If others bring it up, we should make sure, hey, we've taken care of that. It's settled. Please, don't, don't bring that up again. And then number five, it means that we refuse to dwell on the offense in our mind. We're good at this, dwelling on it. In Ephesians chapter 
4, verse 29 and 32, it says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. We grieve the Holy Spirit by talking about other members of the body of Christ. We're all temples of the Holy Spirit. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. And how did God in Christ forgive you? Well, he forgives our sins. He remembers them no more. Can you thank the Lord for that? He forgives our sins. He removes our sins as far as the east is from the west. And you can't do the math on that because it doesn't work. It never meets. When he forgives, he casts our, sea, our sins into the depths of the sea, never to be retrieved again. That's how he forgives. That's how he wants us to forgive. I'd like to call the musicians back. and like you to stand with me this morning. I threw the book at you this morning. I know that. That's my job. <clears throat> In the world, if you want to dispose of something permanently, you take it to the depths of the sea where no man has ever gone, and it's too deep for any of the technical things to dive, and you drop it there. And that's what God does. He put, puts our sins in the depths of the sea and puts up a sign that says, no fishing. God's forgiveness is complete, and God's forgiveness is eternal. Listen, this is good news. I preached on this a, few, a couple of years ago here. That when God forgives you, you're not going to be judged for that again. You aren't going to go before the judgment seat of Christ and there's going to be a video of all your life and sins. That would not be heaven. That would be hell. How many know that? If you're up to date with God and you've asked him to forgive you, that is never going to be brought up in God's mind again. Ever, 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 ever. It's not just being put on hold for some later date. It is gone. There are some things that God doesn't know. Your mother still knows it, but God doesn't. And he's never going to bring it up again. It's not going to be used against you. It's not going to be charged against you. And that's the way he wants us to forgive. Now, as I've been speaking here today, and I have been, I, it's possible that the Holy Spirit is moving in our hearts. He's, the Scripture has challenged us to do impossible things. But with man, these things are not possible. With God, all things are possible. Let's not be talking about walking on water right now. Let's talk about forgiving people in our lives. There are some of us here that are carrying around unforgiveness. It may be with a child, a spouse. It might be parents that have hurt us, wounded us, and offended us. And we just can't seem to let that go. We can't seem to forgive. And we might have even made a statement, I'll never forgive. When I hear people say, I'll never forgive, I'm saying, you know what? You're going to be in a prison house. You, you know, you're drinking uh, the poison and you expect somebody else to die. You're hurting yourself. This is why I don't even have to wait for somebody to come and ask for forgiveness. I can forgive them even though they've never come to me or talked to me about it. 
Maybe they never will. Because maybe they don't know I'm offended. And sometimes we're waiting for something that's never going to happen and, and we're punishing ourselves. And so I'm just wondering if there might be some actual names attached to what the Holy Spirit is saying. Maybe a boss, maybe a coworker, maybe a teacher, maybe a pastor, maybe an elder, maybe a relative of one sort or another, maybe this person or that person. And it might have happened yesterday. It could have happened a week ago, maybe a month, maybe five years, maybe even longer. Maybe it goes all the way back to our childhood. And every time we, we hear a message like this or every time we uh, close, it's not a day goes by that a thought doesn't pass through our mind relative to this situation. And guess what? We might have lost the chains, but we still got the shackles. And we're still affected on a daily basis. We're still held back because we are keeping that thing in our hearts, and God wants us to be free. He wants to let that thing go. So if you've been thinking about a person or a situation that you need to let go. We're going we're gonna to talk about that here in a minute. I'd like the ministry team to come up. If you, and, and just stand in the front here to pray for people, if you feel like, you know what, this is, this is more than just a person. This is a lifestyle with me. And uh, I just need some special prayer to break these shackles off of my life today. I need the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon me to be able to let some things go and to release some people that I'm keeping captive in my heart. Even though I'm appreciative of what God has done for me, I know that I need to do no more business with God. So while the musicians play that song, that whatever that last one was, um, if you need special prayer, would you come forward? And after we, we, those come forward for special prayer, we're going to pray together about this because I have a feeling we're hitting something that is not just for one or two, but it could be for a lot of us who need to let some things go just because of the way human nature is. So, Casey, could you just...